0: This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. This is just something I worked
1: up. up. Uh, I'll do it for you, Maybe You Like Like It, Maybe You don't. Don't.
0: Hello, I'm Jake, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast. The podcast where we take plays, films, and more that have never been staged before or are never likely to be staged again, and we talk about how we'd stage them. As always, I'm
1: joined by Caleb. Hello, uh, how are you doing, Jake?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Have we decided we're going to do that now? We're going to say how we are. or We're I feel not. Weird Which one are we going to do?
1: Hello, and then just leaving it there. So. Yeah, yeah We
0: just. You have to say something. <laughs> you have to well, this week we are joined by a co-host of the podcast. I saw that years ago. It's Martin Darkley. Hello. Hello, hello, chaps. Thank you for having me on the show. Very nice to be here.
1: Oh, thank you so much for coming on, um, Martin. Why don't you give our listeners a bit of an insight into what I saw that years ago is?
2: Oh, well, we we are we call ourselves a retro. Comedy podcast, which means most of our jokes are old. You see, as far as I, can. <laughs> and we, we, uh, we, we, me, me, and my co-host gentleman Joe sit down and we try to remember a film that we haven't seen for a long time, discussing what we think in it, and disappearing down various rabbit holes as we just tell each other stories and try and make each other laugh in a kind of teenagery fashion, you know, for two old middle-aged men to be doing and then we stop the recording watch the film and then we actually do a proper film review of what it was like and discuss and stuff like that so it's uh yeah it's quite fun we've been doing it for God, is it nearly ten years now? So it's um, yeah, it's it, we've used the same joke every week as well, which is great. <laughs> uh,
0: do you ever worried about running out of old films?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, oddly enough, because we everything we get is usually off of the streaming services, so we are running out of films that we want to watch that are old enough. Because we had a kind of cut off period. We it used to be the year two thousand, but the show's been running long enough now. That's crept up quite a bit. <laughs> but it's um, yeah, I mean. There's lots of ones we really want to watch, which which you can't get on any streaming service because they tend to focus on films of the 90s, some of the 80s and a lot Mm. of 2000s. So you don't get many 70s and and certainly no 60s stuff. Which
0: is, it's weird because you would have thought they'd be quite cheap to get on the streaming services. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Well, I think what we're finding is that as um, companies, you know, as the sort of streaming explosion happens we can definitely cut this because it might not be interesting <laughs> as the streaming explosion happens I mean you have like Paramount are doing their own streaming service no, in, in, the, in the same way as Disney Plus and they're going to be putting all their old stuff on there and Warner Brothers are now pushing HBO Max mm-hmm. as a way of doing that yeah. and I think what you're going to see is all of this classic stuff shows up but in all of these streaming services you don't want to pay for because you've already got Netflix no, exactly. it'd be kind of
2: ruinous to try and like run an
0: old film podcast you because
2: know? <laughs> it's not like <laughs> yeah. it makes money in the first place yeah. well, end <laughs> up. Re- re-
0: Returning to the returning to the time of multiple TV channels and wow. people end up not having all the yeah, again. it's this is just it, yeah. regression, isn't it? But the most <laughs> so disappointing <laughs> thing was I signed up
2: to because you know Amazon does various I- internal channels which have things mm, on. It. Yeah. I, I signed up to the BFI because I, when I used to live in London, I used to go to the BFI all the time. So my favorite favorite place in London, and and yet the choice doesn't change that often, and a lot of it is more obscure than than was than is that useful. You know, I mean, it's good films, yeah. but you know, you're not going to no one's going to come and watch Bergman's seventeenth film.
0: You know, like that. That, that hasn't even got a yeah. name so given up by that point. You know? so. right, I guess I guess it's like it's in the public interest isn't it they have to spend their money in the public interest if it's readily available elsewhere then they don't they can't spend it on that. Yeah. So they've got to they've got to find the obscure this is true. Anyway, hmm. um you, you have brought us a film that is is not on any streaming services um oh, which yes. is no, it isn't. absolutely ridiculous <laughs> because you've brought us one of the most famous films of all time yeah, and that's
2: jaws. Jaws. That's what, which I did actually yeah. manage to see at the BFI about 4 years ago for the first time oh, on the wow. big screen and it was yeah. it was wonderful to watch but of course we're not doing big screen are we we're doing stage
1: we're doing stage yeah mm. this is jaws obviously directed by Steven Spielberg from 1975 starring Roy Scheider uh, Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus. uh it won 3 oscars it won golden globes i mean if you don't know what jaws is <laughs> then <laughs> i mean you might not have seen it mm. but you definitely know what it is absolutely um mm. Yeah, and yeah, we're going to be talking about how we're going to stage it. I I actually had to go through an Indian VPN to get this on Netflix. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> tell me, I mean, it's just so strange that this is not just readily available. But well, I, the,
2: the thing is, they could still sell it because it's such a good film, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is what uh, Jake and I were saying over over Messenger before we recorded was that like it seems crazy that this is 45 years old or 46 years old this year because it just doesn't feel like that at all. No,
2: no. Even with the ropey shark that, that, that's in it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, he... He holds off the shark long enough and then when he does show it, it's only for a very small mm. amount of time, right at the end when you're kind of fully invested by that point anyway. So yeah. it kind
0: of it, works. If you do just watch that clip where it's on the end of the boat yeah, at the end, it is a bit silly looking.
2: <laughs> 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 I mean, the interesting part about the whole motif of Jaws, of course, is you don't see the monster for most of the film. But I mean, yeah. that, that wasn't the mm. initial intent. It's just that they had so much trouble getting the shark to work because it was a wooden mm. canvas creation uh, that they they actually just they, which I'm hoping we can do with the staged version is you just try not to show it because then it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they, they got away with it. So hmm, that's why a Finn and a John Williams score is much more effective than seeing a big plastic fish.
1: They almost, And they almost alert us to the fact that that's what they're doing by having the, the kids mm. with their cardboard fish. It's, just, it's like a little <laughs> nod and a wink to the way they actually made the film. Absolutely. <laughs> um, before we dive into staging, uh, Martin, would you be able to give us a little rundown of the plot of Jaws.
2: I certainly can. Okay, so Jaws is set on Amity Island, which as the mayor says, Amity means friendship, which is uh, very much a, a small holiday coastal town, like Cornwall where we live, you know, like uh, it's yeah. uh, myself, and J- myself and Caleb. And, uh, I don't know where you live, Jacob, like, I'm, I'm not sure if it's public knowledge, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> in the ether, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I live in the interwebs and that is all. Uh, Fair play. <laughs> Lots of space there is good. <laughs> so on Amity Island, we have have uh, Chief Bro, Chief Martin Brody, who's uh, who's moved there uh, less than a year ago uh, to become the chief of police from New York. Uh, and he has got a backstory which we never find out about, which says he never goes in the water, and there's something's happened, and we don't know what it was. Uh, but obviously, when you're the police chief on an island, uh, you know it's not exactly ideal setting <laughs> if you're going to be investigating things. The film opens up with a campfire evening, people playing, two kids run off, and then one of them is, uh, you know, eaten up by a shark underwater, and then. They have to investigate that. They try and close the beaches because Martin doesn't know that every part of the economy is based on... You know, holiday makers and stuff. Uh, he's told not to buy the uh, local mayor, who's a bit of a, a bit of an ass. And uh, someone else dies. They do shut the beach. They get a guy in from the Oceanographic Institute. They realise there's a big shark out there, want to kill someone else. So they have to then get onto the orca with uh, Robert Shaw, who's a mad, grizzled old fisherman who says he can kill it for you. Like, an Indian yeah, you really believe he can? Probably with his bare teeth if he decides he's going to do it. <laughs> But you have this real interesting triumvirate because you have Hooper who is the man from the Oceanographic Institute is a young scientist who comes from a wealthy background uh, who is the kind of intellectual and then you have uh, Brody who is the you know police officer kind of every man character and then you have Quint who is this weird force of nature type thing who is lord and master <laughs> of the sea uh, but also is <laughs> is insane really quite like <laughs> so they go off onto the boat and then they uh, they essentially end up duelling with this fish that seems far more intelligent than it should be and they keep shooting barrels into it to drag it up to the surface and somehow it keeps descending and disappearing and then coming up and getting it to do things like it lures them into the shores so they try and chase it in and then their their engine breaks down and it, all, you have this man and you know it's like the old Ernest Hemingway book is The Man in the Sea where you have this battle with what's going on and you're just trying to bring things in and yet the thing you're trying to bring in is being eaten all the way through as the ship falls apart more and more and then eventually you have uh, Hooper decides he has to go into the water in a shark cage uh, to try and jab into the mouth of this massive shark uh, some kind of sedative to kill it and of course nearly dies and ends up running away uh, and uh, swim to the bottom of the sea uh, and then Quint who is the kind of captain Ahab figure ends up being eaten by his white whale, which of course is Jaws. Uh, And then as the the boat is sinking and Roy Scheider is like like inches from the water and this shark is (laughs) propelling itself across him, coming to eat him up, he keeps shooting at it. And seconds before he'd had a fight with it with inside the cabin as it tries to break it break the boat down into nothing and he shoves a a compressed air canister into its mouth and then with the last shot in his rifle he hits the compressed air the whole thing explodes and you know all are all are saved and Hooper comes back up from the deaths and they both paddle into town (laughs) Oh it's a classic.
1: As it is and you you've described the third act in, in as as excitingly as possible which is definitely key because it's it's very exciting to watch. Oh that's great. Uh, despite the wonky shark <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it is funny as well because it just ends with, like you say, them just paddling. Mm. And you, you think the last shot of um, Brody's wife that we see is her running away crying, mm. not knowing if he's ever going to return. No, that's right. <laughs> and, then we, and then we never get their reunion. We never see we don't. it. I mean, we I mean w- one, one of the
2: nicest part on. about the whole end sequence is uh, as the credits roll, uh, they're still quite far out from shore. But just as they reach the end of the credits, they actually get to the beach so they actually, you actually see
0: them get back on land, yeah. Nicely, it's, nice, it's very not very that. nice. But yeah, there's no, there is no coda. There is no no. There's nothing. No, no, yeah. no, no.
1: Uh, It is uh, climax and then it's done. Yeah, and and I kind of like that. <laughs> it's fun.
2: It's kind of the jobs, jobs done. Time we go home. You know? Yeah. And
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we do any actual staging, it is worth noting there is a a Jaws play, but it is not a it's not the story of Jaws. Yeah. It's actually the story of the making of Jaws, oh, which we won't. Hmm. We won't delve too far into uh, because it's a nuts story. But basically, <laughs> I mean, Spielberg, who, so you were saying, Martin, this is his second feature. I think it's his second feature, yeah.
2: Cause it, there was one called Heaven's Gate, but I, I don't think it was him. But uh, but he did, he did one called Jewel, which was uh, Dennis, someone or other. And, and it basically is just this one guy in a car being pursued by a truck. And it's a masterful film.
1: Right. right. And essentially, it's, it's
2: jaws in a truck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Exits pursued by a truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But but I mean, this was yeah. Spielberg was a, a sort of relatively inexperienced director. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Given not a massive budget by his producers, mm. but yet he uh, insisted on filming the stuff that happens at sea at sea yeah. rather than in a in a I think a Warner Brothers lot mm. that they offered him. They were like, use this tank. Like, you can do everything you want to do on this tank. And he's like, no, we're going out to see
2: to film. As <laughs> you say,
1: very inexperienced. they <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that that play sort of covers that the sort of making of, and it's based on a, a book written by, I believe, maybe the cinematographer or mm, someone okay. who worked on the film. Mm. Uh, and then there's also been a musical of that play made. Um, <laughs> yet, there has never been a Jaws play. So I definitely oh, feel wow. we are within our rights to be staging this today. Absolutely. Um, Jake, you were saying before that you feel like you've got a an idea to kick us off. Mm-hmm. I, I've got an idea. Um,
0: so <laughs> it's, it, it's simply that when, when Martin, you just described the plot to us, hmm. you basically, you were, it seemed to me that you were quite keen to get to the boat bit. Um, you... <laughs> and look i really like i really like the first Mm. hour of this film it has these lovely themes of like identity you know Mm. what is what is it to be from a place and and uh and how certain and how you can rely on one particular economy and how that can stifle things Mm. and 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 this whole just and these small small town living and all these themes however what you can do in a play that you can't do so well in a film is is kind of bring those out in dialogue bring those mm. themes out better in in talking and uh, i basically see this film as two films it's a film about a town on a beach and then they get on the boat and then it's another film it's like yeah, it almost yeah. you know fades to the next film mm-hmm. And I, I, see that the the first film, the film about three hundred people on a beach, is unstageable. And the second film, the <laughs> your about... ambition, man, come on. <laughs> and, and and the second film, the film about well, you might disagree, but the, the, the second film, you the not film seen about three me's? men, <laughs> <laughs> the film about three men on a boat, is very stageable. Yeah. And so yes, my idea yeah, basically is to is to take this kind of like uh, pressure cooker kind of environment of this small little boat, where you've got these three enormous characters mm. um mm. and you put them on a boat and my idea uh, physically would be to have um An audience that is only on a balcony level so a a, a high audience and then Mm. you you can see down into the boat and then around the boat we do actually create some water Mm. and then the reason why i'd have them up high like that is because then i think and i might have misunderstood physics but i think (laughs) we can then create a depth effect for the audience where it seems as though the the water is much deeper Mm. than it is and we can have things like shark fins and mm. sharks and barrels and things disappear and appear from them and so we can bring that drama around and we can fully yeah. mechanize the boats so that maybe it spins and it turns and it sinks and it does all these kinds of things mm. and so i'm imagining it in the round almost oh, yeah. so that we kind of we're kind of following the boat as if we're moving along with it like a halo um, and i would try and build all those themes from the first part in but i would want to have them explored in the boat there's this one scene the scene where they are talking about their tattoos mm. and then mm, the the yeah. kind of gritty character starts telling us about this boat that he sank on and that mm. there was 300 of them USS and there were four sharks that's and the yeah. that's the mm. one mm. and he's trying to and he and they're waiting for the shark it's just it's it's a very theatrical moment where it's oh, yeah, just him talking for five minutes yeah. it's an incredible yeah. monologue mm. Mm. and i just i was saying this this bit is a play mm. and i wanted to yeah, i would yeah yeah and I, and to me, so my idea, I guess, is to draw on that, bring that out, mm. and and still have the action around it, but but not try and find a way of representing an entire town around mm. the, on the fourth of July on the beach. <laughs> yeah, um, but but I, I recognise that that is unambitious, so I am willing to hear. I'm willing to
2: hear more ambitious
0: ideas. <laughs> I, I
2: mean, to be me, to be fair, I, when I was looking at it, I, I had similar thoughts when when I was watching it again today, because as you say, the first hour. There's many, there's many locations, you know. There's there's many people, there's many stories, yeah. and of course they can all dilute things a little bit. And if you don't have the set pieces of the shark attacks, which are very very hard to do on a stage, <laughs> and then wheel a boat on, like uh, yeah, I think I mean for me, the, I think the starting scene very similar to what you're saying, but I think there should be one before they get on the boat, which is the town meeting where you meet Quint for the first time. Ooh. Because I really like yeah. the way that you are introduced to this old mm. sea dog just before they go to sea. A little bit of like, what's going to come? you know, Who is this man that they're, they're entrusting these three to? And then I suppose you could move to a, some kind of dock area where they just do the loading up, as you say. You could even the wife can then be in it <laughs> because yeah, her, yeah. because her character isn't in most for of the film a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly, I mean that the, the I mean the film. The film for me has always been about um, the three characters, as just say, the three yeah. uh, the three archetypes stuck together in a, an enclosed space. You know, it's the kind of Sartre esque uh, hell with your friends type thing. And yeah, uh, and yeah. and oddly enough, I think Brody. Is the one? who I mean, the film's told from his perspective. It's always his story, uh, and it's mm. <laughs> ironically enough, it's a fish out of water story for probably the most fish in the water story that's ever that's <laughs> ever, ever been told. <laughs> because he's the uh, he's the man who's not from the islands. He doesn't like the sea. He he, he yeah. when they're doing the the scar comparison thing you were talking about and tattoos and stuff he's the one who has a tattoo and doesn't tell the story because he looks He looks at his waist and there's one there and you don't know what it's from yeah. is it an appendix was Can it an we, attack you know is that why they moved yeah. so I we think yes no exactly so I think yeah that whole uh, expansion of the, the dynamic between the three on the boat would be definitely the way to go, I think.
1: Here is my feeling, which is <laughs> you would have said it I all wanna, of the island. I want to be, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> cut the. Book, no. Um, I I believe that this kind of film being put on stage mm. is what the interval break is designed for. Oh, I okay. think we have an act one, which is amongst the townsfolk, which is on the island. Mm. And then we have an act two that is all set on a boat. Interestingly enough, I have seen a play that is entirely set on a boat in which they did flood the whole stage and they did put the boat on a mechanical oh, arm. Wow. Yeah. So I I've seen it done. I know that it definitely works. This was just a festival theater. It was a production of mm. Alan Akebourne's way upstream, mm. which is all set on a canal boat over a weekend. And in that there were parts of the stage where it was clearly quite shallow, mm. but then there was just this moment where, and, and you get this impression it's quite shallow water. And there's just this moment where the guy, one of the guys just walks up to the, End of the the boat and just dives like head first in, <laughs> and I was like, "What?" So there was clearly parts of it where they yeah, built yeah, a deeper course. tank out the bottom of the uh, out of the stage. Yeah. So I think there's ways you can build depth in by yeah, like you say, Jake, moving the audience, but also by playing with parts of the stage where maybe you know, oh, we might have needed to store something underneath the stage for, you know, a reveal or something. Mm. Actually, we can just put a big old fish tank there that someone <laughs> can dive into. Yeah, I definitely feel like there is a way of doing this town stuff without using like a hundred actors and with keeping it so that um, most of the stage is still water, um, <laughs> which <laughs> might seem a bit crazy. Um, I, I think there's a way of building it where the back of the stage is kind of a shoreline Ooh. slash beach. Ah, see,
2: interesting. I wrote that down because I thought of that because
1: because
2: <laughs> I, I was getting I was getting too artsy with the whole kind of like island metaphor of uh, Amity being an island, and you know uh, yeah. the uh, the boat being an island, and every man is an island, all that type of thing. But I but I oh, but, yes. but I thought the idea of, of as you say in the background because like in the film, constantly either I think the sea in the background. Like either a rolling video that's just projected or something which gives you that sense of always being connected to the sea. I think that'd be quite powerful. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think definitely you're right in that 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 sense of isolation Mm. is is used all the way through this, you know, and I guess especially as this sort of fish out of water Mm. story with Brody, Mm. uh, he is in isolation against the whole town at moments Mm. early on. Uh, And then obviously, you know, they are completely isolated out at sea in the second half. I I feel like there's a way of doing this first half that is using a cast of maybe five or six people using lots of multi-rolling and lots of storytelling. So rather than having to take us from scene to scene to scene, um, it's all told through um, to the audience storytelling Mm. as if it was like an an account of what happened up until they got on the boat. Oh, so what,
2: what, what, what do you think of narrators uh, as, as a, as a, as an idea, you guys, I mean, I know some people absolutely abhor them, you know,
1: like narrators when they can find a place within the plot, for example, like Joseph in the technical dream. Yeah. Like the narrator is like woven into mm. the story. That would be as far removed from a plot. I would want a narrator to be. Mm. I would like to see this being narrated, but by the characters who have lived it, if that makes sense. And that would give an opportunity for different perspective as well. Interesting. Um, in the first act.
2: See, I I, cause I wrote down a few th- ideas for... Um, w- one was, although it's hard to do it if, it if if we're doing it with someone who's been there telling the story. So I was thinking, would would it be more interesting to switch it to Quint's story rather than Brody's story? Would that give a different le- lean to it uh, and bring out another thing? But then, of course... He dies at the end, so he can't be telling the story <laughs> unless he's doing it, you know, some kind of astral plane. <laughs> but I, I was wondering whether there they could be room for, say, like, uh, have you ever seen The Fog by John Carpenter? it's a no. wonderful 80s no. horror film uh, but the beginning of it because it's all set on a coastal town as well and the fog rolls in and it's some curse from 100 years ago that's kind of coming back to haunt them. Uh, but they've got an old sailor uh, telling a story to children around a campfire but it's a scary story and I just love that idea of a sea, you know, the sea story being told next to the sea you know I don't know, yeah. I don't know if it'd be too hackneyed and stuff and take too long or what
0: you made me think of the end of um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory the 2005 one <laughs> right, where okay. it zooms out Right at the end, and this narrator is oh, yeah. one of the Impalappers dolls. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, no I, yeah. I mean, in general, I'm I, I don't know I don't know whether I can tell my because I don't know enough about what he said. Mm. But I, yeah, I do think that when you're on stage, it, there is no shame in acknowledging to the audience that you know they're there, mm, and yes. it's it. We're almost at a time now where most younger audiences they want that to be acknowledged because they feel strange about being in that space and not mm. and not being acknowledged. Um, so I do like to acknowledge the audience. I just, I wonder, Caleb, I think we, I think it is possible to bring them together. I just wonder whether we just spend a little bit like me watching the film, not knowing, not having seen it. We just spend the whole of the first act waiting for the second act. And yeah. That they, and that That's they don't really attention. connect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I'm with you and I think that you're right. But I think as well, like... I don't know. In some ways, if if this is like you're paying for your two and a half hours at the at the theater, your like evening at the theater, to have this, I, I'm imagining this first act as much more fluid than it is in the film, and it is just like these piece of pieces of narration tied together with these short scenes between characters showing those conflicts that are happening on the island, and maybe this could all even all be happening on like a set that is built to look like docks that we're then going to leave once the boat goes out to sea. So it's not even like we have to show all of these locations and go through the whole Mm. thing. Um, And and so it's just this like really fluid Uh, fast paced maybe even like quite rarely for theater having like a much shorter first act than a second act so cutting it all the way down to like half Mm. an hour or 40 minutes to then have like an hour an hour 15 Mm. hour 20 on the boat afterwards um just to get that sense of setup that sense of who Brody is um and who Hooper is and also that that obviously that key scene in the town hall where we find out who Quint is and we kind of get this like very much this picture of a man who then in the film doesn't show up for another sort of 35 minutes. Mm. I think that that all to me, like that really fascinates me um, Mm. as part of the story. Mm. And I think it's, although the second act is what we're all there for, for me, it was such a, an exciting backdrop because it is like Spielberg spends all this time building this incredible world Mm. and then almost, almost completely discards it. To just go and hunt the shark. Um, And I think, but that's such a specific choice because the whole first act. Um, which uh, you know given the current times felt very much like an allegory for uh, the way our government's <laughs> behaved in the last year um, <laughs> it's just like boris is johnson is the mayor of amity is it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly there is a shark eating people and yet you want the beaches to be open um, but like all of that is is uh you know that whole sense of like inaction um and, and
0: it's out to help out it's,
1: it's, it's <laughs> requires no
0: modification well, i was i was trying to think of a joke on that and i thought no it doesn't need one, it doesn't it, need it's, one. it's a joke within itself
1: <laughs> anyway but sorry whole, to interrupt <laughs> no 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 right. that whole sense of inaction and uh, of just being stagnant to an issue being then paired with a a second act after the interval, which is all action. The whole idea mm. is it's like, screw the rest of it. I'm going to leave my wife and children behind. I'm just going to go hunt a shark. <laughs> um, and I think that to me, that is, provides an important backdrop. But if we can tell it in a, mm. a very economic way in that first act, mm. that means that we can still have a flooded stage uh, <laughs> waiting to get on the boat for the first act. <laughs> that that would work for me.
0: So I yeah, I, I almost feel like the film... Almost chickens out in a way. I think if it was made now, I think his kid would die. For example, I don't think we'd get oh, right, that yeah. like scare. Mm. I think we would. Yeah. I I think obviously there'd be different gender involvements in terms of mm. just having women standing around crying the whole time. They'd probably do more things. But um, uh, <laughs> but but I think I, I think almost I don't know I don't you know I wasn't around in 1975, but. Well, that a great, I get the great impression time. I should have been there there. Were, <laughs> I get the impression there were things that it wanted, it, it nearly does and then kind of doesn't do when it kind of should. if that makes yeah. does that make any sense? I, I mean, I,
2: I, I agree to an extent. I, I think if if you kill the kid, then it becomes a revenge film. Or revenge play, sorry. Uh, whereas mm. at the minute, I think the thing that motivates Brody the most, uh, and actually you're right about having to have some of the the island stuff, because one of the key scenes for me is uh, when the kit- Kitna boy's mum turns up uh, and because uh, uh, Kitner's the boy who gets eaten after the woman's been eaten, and, and Brody agrees, okay, mm. maybe it was a propeller accident, and lets the breaches be open. And this kid dies, and then they catch yeah. the shark, which they think is a real shark, but it's not a real shark. And they, uh, the Kitners, Alex Kitner's mum, turns up, and basically she smacks Brody in the face and says, "You, you let him go when you knew there was probably a shark out there." And the yeah. the mayor says she doesn't know, and he says no she's right so then his motivation is from I think from that point of he's done mm. something wrong rather than yeah. it's a revenge I mean he could do either but, mm. but they are they no are you're right problem. that is better
1: my mum found it I watched this with my parents and my my mum found it infuriating <laughs> that Brody got slapped because she's like, he wasn't the one who wanted to open the beaches. <laughs> yeah, where's so the angry? mayor? all along. Yeah, yeah. It, was it was Boris Johnson.
3: That's another. It.
0: No, it's an, it's another allegory. It's a look them in the eye and advert, isn't it? <laughs> Wow, this this film is it's passing the test of time. Let's put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah. So I guess what I would want to do is what I mean is I think I wouldn't want to discard it in the way Spielberg does. I think mm. if we we're going to build up in that one, mm. we want to we want to try and hold on, and that would just be in the dialogue. I think, mm. and in the and in what is said and done, we just want to hold on to the other the the characters that we're brought away from because you you're right it's very it's very implicit in the film you know, Brody doesn't ever say I'm doing this mm. because and which of course he doesn't because that'd be ridiculous, mm. but there, there's, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's all very, it's all very background and, and it becomes, if you are not really thinking, it becomes just an action movie where they're mm. running around trying to chase a shark. And I think that on stage is not that interesting. Mm. Mm. And yeah. I would want to make sure that we hold on to these emotional drivers a little bit more.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, and I guess getting that, that time on the, island beforehand or just getting a sense of that story and those characters uh you know to have some women in the, yeah. in the play in the first <laughs> half yeah I think it would get that sense of there's a world beyond being on the ship uh that that's the reason they're on the ship is that world beyond uh because again otherwise you know the other the thing it kind of made me think of I, I watched fairly recently was uh The Lighthouse which came out in 2019 with Willem Defoe mm-hmm. and, and uh Robert Pattinson and Quint and Hooper are kind of similar or maybe Quint and Brody more actually are kind of similar to the Quint is like the Willem Defoe and Brody's kind of like the, the Robert Pattinson in that film but that film is all about being isolated and going insane mm. and what's key to that is we never see the world beyond the rock that they're stuck on um, and I worry that actually if you just did it straight on the boat and we're just on the boat it, it becomes more about that that sense of like that kind of insanity uh, that you're <laughs> driven to out at sea mm. um, which it feels like it's almost pushing in that scene where they're discussing the tattoos, mm. um, but it doesn't go all the way with that. And I like that because actually, when it comes down to it, this is a film about hunting down a shark. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's kind of what has to be at the center of it.
0: You mentioned women. We might want to come back to this later rather than talk about it now. But I was going to suggest making Hooper. I was going to suggest well, the same when thing. You,
2: when you were just talking, I had exactly the same thought. Was that it would change the dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it again would change it entirely because you haven't got the three male types you know yes. you see that you're introducing a very different field but i mean in the modern day it will be fascinating to see what you'd explore with that.
0: and i because i think the reason why i had hooper in my head is because hooper is representing this film modernity mm. and moving mm. forward and you know a new way of doing things for quince mm. who does who's pushing against it very much and yeah. re- and represents um you know uh formal education and you know he's part of the oceanographer society and and he really cares but is fascinated and and is this kind of like very passionate character Mm. um and yeah i think adding adding the uh, the gender roles to that battle with Quince where he is the <laughs> rah, 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 old man. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, I couldn't understand what he was saying off the time. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, into, like again, I don't know. I wasn't around 1975, but watching it now, he's like a he's an unrealistically like uh, caricatured character. Have you, yeah. Have you not watched um,
2: America for the last five years? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah, he's like one uh, of those
0: chaps was running the place for a while. <laughs> I see him as like a, a natural forerunner to Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation. That's... But Ron Swanson <laughs> would not put that kind of effort in. That's for sure. No,
1: that's true. Yeah, yeah, true. The
0: government shouldn't save you from sharks. <laughs> he'd say. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think
1: Hooper would be an interesting um gender swap, and I think. uh that would be, it would, it would definitely bring a fresh take to this story, but it would also not be um, a completely unknown dynamic to have this sort of well-educated woman and sort of, uh, like you described in like Force of Nature Quint, who's just like a guy who just does things uh, by f- just feeling it out mm. rather than like by the book. <laughs> um, and I think that that has been used as a gender dynamic as well as, as a, um, a sort of man to man dynamic before as well. So I think that would work well on stage. And I think it would make, cause that scene where they're discussing the the scars and stuff, that scene is this moment where these guys who have not been able to connect finally connect just before everything falls apart. Again. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Literally in the, the end of that starts. scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think actually that would bring just I- introducing that, that, gender thing in that would bring in such an interesting that that moment of connection beforehand would be a, a really interesting moment i think as well of yeah that that's that sense of like the old way of doing things and then the progressive m- modern way of doing things the, and the way they clash but then also the way that they can work in tandem with each other which i think would be good i think people would need something of a rewrite but uh you know there's people out there can do that
2: but what would you say then as we all said it and all agreed on it so it must be wrong so therefore what about brody changing instead because then she can mediate Mm -hmm. between the two male archetypes
1: yeah yeah that's good
2: yeah and also she
0: she chartered the boat so it's her boat and there's there's a power dynamic there as well Mm. i mean I, i i did i sat there thinking just now through which one it would be uh, or which two it would be, or all three of them, would it? And I think all three of them would also be really interesting. Mm. And uh, the reason why I moved away from Brody was because I thought, oh, that's a bit done if she's the one that cares no, and right. is the kind of doesn't know how to do yeah. things but cares really hard. Oh, I, get you, I, I get feel you. like that, <laughs> no, no, that's good that leans mm. too much into a femininity that we don't... We're not, I'm not oh, interested yeah. in putting I think stage.
1: about um, Tenet where... Uh, <laughs> There's a bit I don't know if I reviewed. I haven't Tony. seen it. Yeah, you gave it such it's, a bad review, I didn't bother. I mean, well, yeah, I d I wouldn't there's just a moment where um where there's like a revelation of what the stakes of this story is mm. and uh John David Washington says, Oh wow, that would mean the whole world gets destroyed and then Elizabeth DeBeeky says, Yeah, including my son <laughs> <laughs> And it's like why does the woman's stakes have to be tied yeah. to a family when the man stakes can be tied to society. Um, So I think Jake, you're right Mm. in that sense. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Christopher Nolan is famous for his uh, good gender politics anyway. So, (laughs) but I, so I think, yeah, maybe Hooper is the one to go for, or maybe all three. I think all three could work really well. Or the shark. Well, this shark, we're not we're not told the gender of the shark at any point are we so that's no, true he does live in a very fluid state obviously <laughs> what's, what's the
0: latin name squama squama Squamous
1: or something <laughs> <laughs> is that hooper again oh no,
2: no that's, that's probably quid saying many many things
1: <laughs> um nice okay how we talked briefly at the beginning about how uh, well Martin you said the great thing about this film is they hold off on showing us the shark. Yes that's right. Um is there a moment in putting this on stage mm. w- you know let's brush over the island stuff for now and <laughs> and and we're in the second act mm. and we've not seen the shark yet we've just seen these attacks ha- happen or we've we've bit had them narrated to us. Mm. Um and then we get to the point where uh the guys finally see the shark and we get the famous you know mm. we're going to need a bigger boat oh, yeah. line. You um cannot lose that line. <laughs> Well, I definitely can't. And you need the visual cue mm. for that line he to work. He says
0: it twice. I had no idea he
1: said it twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but how how do we do it? How do we make yeah. it clear? Especially as the reveal in that is underwater, isn't mm. that We definitely need the balcony like you were saying, Jake. Uh, how do we show that shark underwater and give it motion and give it a sense of danger? Uh, once we get to the point where we're actually showing it on stage. Yeah, that's the challenge, that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just giving you... Well, well, one, <laughs> one, is... one
2: question before we get into the te- technical. Uh, what do we think of... Yeah. Uh, I, I like the idea of, of the kind of isometric view, you know, kind of, of of the boat. Um But does a fin work when you're not on on level with the water? Uh, okay, And because the fin is so important
0: but uh, well i think it can if you if you use the right lighting so that you can Mm. make it opaque when you need it to Mm. because that's what i was going to suggest caleb my my suggestion other than the kind of using real real objects and using depth effects would be projection Mm. um and a projection from underneath essentially so you could make these i again i just don't know enough about the technology but there must be a way i think of making these kind of like shapes in the water so we don't see the huge shark and go, you need a bigger boat. But we what we do
1: see is the huge shadow of a shark. Mm. And I feel like
0: that would be good enough.
1: I don't know. I I guess if we're doing it in... Well, you were saying in the round, Jake, but I think it could also equally equally work in thrust. So you do get that sense of the whole boat from all, all angles. I'm imagining we refer to this space a lot, mostly because I just don't know enough theatres inside and out, but like somewhere like the festival theatre or even like the national theatre where you have these huge thrust spaces with loads and loads of space underneath the stage, doing it somewhere like that um, and having it where you have some audience members who are very far back and very f- far up and some audi- audience members who are right up close, you can get the, be- the best of both in that you can get the ones who are far back are seeing things from above slightly and they'll see things that people down below will only see the fin. The and maybe there's something there in how much you can see what, what your perception is at as, as, as different parts of the audience that could be quite exciting to play with. I guess also, I like the idea of projection. I think there's a lot that we could do with it, but I also do think there's something really exciting about the idea of just before he says we're going to need a bigger boat, we just see this like massive thing just slightly breach the water and then go mm. back down again. Mm. Even if you don't see what it is, maybe that's a moment, you know, it's set in day light in the film, that moment, mm. but you could set it at night time and we just see a, a big object like, like mm. that, that thing of like, just seeing something, just, just break the surface of the water and then head back down is, uh, to me, that seems quite terrifying and something you could do effectively on stage.
2: Mm. I, th- I mean, they use a, they use a music sting, like a with it at the time. And I obviously like, the cues, the cues for the shark mainly endows our music, so yeah. cer- certainly if we make mm. a good use of that, that that can help kind of trick the eye a little bit, isn't it? By kind of we will do, you make things move like you know, you just say the surface of the water could stir or something, and something could come up and down really quickly. But if the music's saying it, then everyone goes, ah, oh, that's a shark, you know. So yes. c- so we c- it could get us out of trouble
0: with having happened <laughs> to build. It. Well, no, I think we would. I think we would build. As in, we have to acknowledge that, you know, in 45 years, animatronic technology has come along mm. quite well. Mm. Um, yeah. So we could, you know, walking with dinosaurs, we've talked about before on this yeah, podcast, that yeah. there, mm. there are, it, it would be possible, not, we, you wouldn't want it constantly flapping around because at some point you go, <laughs> hang on, I'm in a theatre. That's not a <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, uh, But But <laughs> to have things poking up and things, if you've got... <laughs> 100,000 pounds to buy a
1: <laughs> buy a shark then um i think we could I yeah guess. i i guess i guess um what you can do is have the shark just have one or two very specific movements it can do yeah, yeah. and just employ them very conservatively and then the rest of the time it is suggestion gesture mm. fins um the barrels as well are really helpful yeah in, yeah. in being able to avoid yeah. showing the shark mm. I the blood th- effects
0: so are really cool the what effect sorry the blood effect in the water yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. oh yeah absolutely good.
1: yeah yeah definitely um so I, there are sort of ways around showing it as much as possible and maybe even in that second half we show it even less than the film does and you just have a couple of key moments where we see specific movements from the shark that we've built so you can have the whole thing basically on some kind of rail system where it only has a, a few different movements it can do that we control entirely um, rather than building literally like a robot shark to be <laughs> attacking the boat uh, We could just train a real possible. one they're fine they're, gonna- <laughs> <laughs> they're all right
0: speaking of speaking of robot shark when is this set <laughs> That's are we setting question. it Are we setting it in, in the 70s or do we want to modernise it? But then uh, the problem with modernising it for me is that we end up with all these things that are like, why didn't they just shoot something more explosive at it rather than exactly.
2: just yeah. pistols? Use a high-power uh, lo- local nuclear device to kind of take it. Out. <laughs> well, that's what
1: the explosion looks like at the end anyway. Too. Right, this is true, yeah. Well, I suppose I mean, if, if, if you
2: do it as modern, then you get into the kind of aliens territory where you could see a tracker. And then it gives a yeah. gives away where it is. So I think I think the period works really well because technology yeah. isn't involved. It's all about man versus beast.
1: And even in that period, we have Quint, who is like, I don't have any kit on my <laughs> ship. I just <laughs> he, do it. He you know, smashes the out. only kit they actually had. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Because I think in the seventies, from reading about sort of the the fishing in Cornwall around that time. Mm. There were people that, that had all that kit, mm. but they were the rich people yeah. who did all the like fishing. So having this, keeping it then, but having this Quint character who just doesn't have any of that, he mm. just does it, you know, and I think as well, that thing of um, his experience in the war, in the second world mm. war is so mm. yes. uh, k- like key to his character yeah. and to update it, you know, where are you placing that? The Vietnam war mm. or, you know, maybe that's even too long ago mm. now. Uh, you'd have to be, you know, you have to be pretty I old. Mainly for that took to place order. on land as well, which is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had any sort of big naval battles like that since no. then. So I think, for that to work, you do kind of have to keep the the period setting. I also think that that's what audiences would want to see. Mm. I think yeah. as much as there are some, some things you want you could change, um, there are some things that audiences are expecting from their live Jaws experience. <laughs> that's true, that's true.
0: Oh, so what about, so if we are keeping it then, mm. then I assume we want to keep this kind of, I guess it's a Chekhov's gun of the, of the gas canister that mm. we blow up the yeah. shark with. But the issue for me is that, uh, the way that's resolved at the end is we have this whole thing where he has this idea he sees the canister he sticks it in his mouth mm. then he has to shoot at it mm. now there, there, there's a lot going on there the, the yes. camera can the camera can go right close up here's what's happening look at this everyone mm. yeah. and we can't do that on stage
2: <sighs> ah, but I hadn't when you were chatting about the uh, the the different views of the boat I, I wondered uh, again I, I'm you know my theatre knowledge is, isn't isn't as grand as, as yours too so um would you have a second screen showing a different angle projected behind so that you can actually tell the tail from two angles throughout the entire thing oh interesting because so you can then you get almost like you could t- treat it as the fish eye view or you could treat yeah. it just as you could show the fin from a different angle so there we get around that problem of, of
0: of you know lighting and stuff like well we could do both obviously. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm my brain's gone in all sorts of different directions from you saying that i'm thinking because I was, I was, because I went, I went. Oh, it's like a, like a, like a concert where you see lots of yes. different angles. And I think, yeah. oh, maybe, well, maybe in the first act there's a concert and there's these Yours jumbo the screens. <laughs> and no, 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 no. The the, the July the Fourth oh, concert. Oh right, sorry, yes, and, oh, I, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then we leave those screens up and use them as a. I don't know. We'll yeah, it's that interesting. That's a really, really interesting know, integration interesting. of theater and and digital and film. Mm. Um, it'll be expensive, but mm. who, cares?
1: <laughs> who cares? Yeah, we've got all the money in the world on this. It's jaws. So, <laughs> I <mean>, come on. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I think, I I just definitely think this would sell incredibly well. Mm. People would want to see this, like because especially if you can sell it as that kind of just like absolutely mad spectacle experience. Mm. Which is kind of how I guess they sold the film, like it was this big blockbuster at the time. Yeah, it was one of the first, um, the, the first, first blockbuster. Yeah. yeah, 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 Um So I think that that would definitely work. I do like this idea, yeah, of making it like a July Fourth like concert on the beach. We have the Lou Music Festival, <laughs> which happens on, which used to happen on the beach. The main stage used to be on the beach. It did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, they still have one of the stages on the beach, and it has to be. Like they have to decide the weekend we do it each year according to what the tides are going to be, which seems (laughs) insane to me. That's so cool. So, yeah, I definitely like this idea of like this concert on a beach that is stopped by. Well, and, and that actually makes the stakes a little bit higher for the mayor because mm. he has to keep the concert going mm. when, he, when there's been these shark attacks and then you can have a shark attack happen at the concert.
0: All right. Okay. Mm. So it's a drive-in, it's a drive-in theatre. <laughs>
1: drive-in?
0: Ne- next door, next on the, on the, on the beach. I was going to say okay. next door to Minack, but I won't do that. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a drive-in theatre on the beach. The boat's yeah. actually in the sea. Yes. Uh, we, but we, but the conceit is you're driving into like a drive-in cinema in the were there drive-in cinemas in the seventies? I've got no yes. idea. Yeah, no <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So you, so you, you do that, and that's the conceit. But then actually, you're on a drive-in cinema or on Amity Island, <gasps> and then yeah. the second act is they have to go on the boat, and then the boat is behind, is next to the screen. I don't know some some crazy
2: <laughs> stuff like that. You know the Nash, the National Theatre is right next to the Thames.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> First act, in inside the stage. Walk everyone Second out. Second act, you go and stand along South Bank and just watch <laughs> it happen on the river. <laughs> uh. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> Multi media think I think there. the I think <laughs> yeah. Charing Cross Station and the and the MI five building might be a bit distracting as a backdrop when you're trying to convince people you're uh, on the yeah. seat It's not very seventies, uh, is it? We <laughs> we change
1: we change the setting entirely. It's Jaws in the Thames, is what we call it. and It's set in the Thames, and um, then you
2: can all go to the BFI next door afterwards and watch the film. Is it? They go, yeah, and the, the whole old,
1: set. As you were describing, you know what? Hang drive. on, new idea, new idea. It's set on the yes. South Bank.
0: We go into the BFI, we watch the film, and then we leave and we go home. There we go. To be fair, when you were describing a a drive-in
1: experience, I was thinking, at what point do we just show the movie at a (laughs) drive-in cinema and call it theatre?
2: Maybe everyone gets to sit on a boat and watch the film. There you go. Okay,
1: yeah, that's fine. A a drive-in cinema, but projected onto a cliff face, and you go on your boat. There you go, see? We've done oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so the audience are
0: on the boat, and the film is in the audience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay,
2: well, here's an idea. I've got a new one for you. Here you go. Okay, what, really, why yeah, don't great. we flood the globe?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would love. It's to It's already see
2: that. got us a uh, you know a cylindrical balustrade of stuff that around would us. So like you see, sub-
1: that would actually work, no? Wouldn't it? If you put yeah, it all you in could the middle, flood. The, yeah, I mean, the trouble is, is that is where most of your, your audience goes. So you're suddenly losing a lot of money. We just charging um, an absolute fortune for tickets. That's <laughs> I um,
0: also, uh, the Globe has a few rules. <laughs> they didn't have these rules for a few years, yeah. Yeah. so but now they do have these rules again, which are that uh, you cannot have any recorded music if you put something oh, on really? the Globe. Oh, wow. And you, I believe, cannot use... I can't remember if you can't use any lighting, really? or if they're just—it's just severely limited. The idea I is that you, you want to try and create really an experience so. as if someone was watching the theatre the in the Jacobean yeah. times. Yes, oh, well. yeah. Um, and
1: the other—the other rule they've actually got written down is you can't flood the entire audience. <laughs> space. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> enough, uh, we got that. It's just in these writing. finicky
0: rules. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, I I can take I can take the no recorded music, but no yeah. flooding. Oh, come no on, flooding. what theatre come to? That's just Next you'll be saying we can't film it
2: for more than one angle.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't set you
2: fire see? to the thatch roof just for a
1: fire effect. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do know that the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse, uh, which is inside the Globe, but is like a, the recreation of yes. an indoor Elizabethan experience, okay. is all done by candlelight. Oh wow! Um, which is fascinating. Mm. It's so cool. I've only seen one show there It was Othello, but they sort of yeah that the can everything being candlelit and the amount that you can light with just candles is you know surprising because yeah, they don't give off enough light for it at all. I
2: know when I saw uh, a at the uh, Young Vic, they they put the whole thing in a perspex box. Which was fascinating because you sat outside the box and watched everything happen, and they did this. I inc- still, to this day, have not worked out they did it, where they had white or cream carpet uh, throughout half the scenes, and then it was a muddy, actual mud floor for other, what? and then they went back to the carpet afterwards. And yeah. all within like about ten seconds, fifteen seconds of turnaround time. It was oh extraordinary. My
1: what. And that so that that actually does helpfully bring us on to an, a, the next sort of thing I guess I wanted to question, <laughs> which is um, luckily in this, the destruction of the boat only happened mm. has to happen in one direction. We don't then have to have a fixed boat at the yeah. end. But how do we destroy a boat every single night on stage? Mm. How do we do that? Make it feel like it's actually falling apart, yet also be able to just bring it back up again and and have it work the next day. Mm.
3: Mm.
2: And it's also, I think it's really key because for me, uh, I was writing down about, I think if, you look, if, if we're telling it from Quint's point of view, then the boat is his world and his world is being destroyed bit by bit by this thing that he's actually going after. Uh, and for yeah. everyone else, it's just the boat they're on is being destroyed, which is bad enough
3: <laughs> when you're in the middle of the sea and there's a huge <laughs> shark around.
2: So I think the actual, the deconstruction of the ship is, is really important and, and should be more protracted yeah. than it is in the film. Because in the film, it all kind of happens quite quickly. But I felt on if we were going to do it as a stage thing, part of that extending out the time on the boat would be more of it falling apart more, obviously, throughout the entire third act. Yeah. yeah. So yeah.
0: I, I think I think what you would probably do is you'd have the boat in such a way in the water very expensively with, where it could move quite dynamically. Mm. And so you'd be able to kind of shove it when you wanted to shove it as if it was being broken in. Mm. Yeah. And you'd want to be able to make it sink in such a way that it could just come back up. And then other than that, I'd say maybe you want, I mean, you need to actually not let it flood, genuinely not <laughs> let it flood. Um, yeah. Or if you are, I think you, what, I, so I was going to suggest there are like, you could get like panels and the panels mm. break every night and you replace those. So mm. that's much cheaper. But then I just remembered, you know what? what we want to do is we want to go to is it sea world or mm. disney or whatever that i think it's sea world they just have this enormous enormous pool and everyone goes and sits down and they do a kind of 10 minute play which is yeah. a live version of SeaWorld. is that a film SeaWorld. Waterworld. water world or Waterworld. Okay. A, okay. Mm. That's it. It's a live version of Waterworld, oh, that's and in to that, off
1: the list for the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's, already, it's already been done in a ten-minute version at SeaWorld. It's
2: <laughs> probably better than the film, which was three qu- hours way too long. <laughs> long.
1: <laughs> I
0: don't know. I think it must be. It must be. Oh, it must be Universal Studios or something. I can't remember where it was. Why can't I not remember? Where? Yeah, One of the Universal sounds more likely actually yeah, they obviously yeah, the film yeah. references. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You it must be Universal Studios, and yeah, so they do. It's basically like a fifteen-minute version of. Uh, unless World, you're thinking and, uh,
2: of Pirates of the Caribbean at Disney. No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> no. They do that. No, <laughs> so. That's yeah,
0: yeah. Well, the, well, that's the the, the, the uh, films are based on the ride. Yes, in that case, indeed, it was uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, anyway, the the Waterworld thing is basically they have they have this pyro and they have a ship that crashes and it's all reusable. And I don't know how they do it, but I assume quite cheaply because that's We're the just theme box. So it's just ask them. Yeah. yeah it's boring. Oh, yeah. I like that. I, I guess that that is my wariness with this, is that it becomes like a one of those, like, theme park plays where it's just yes. like, oh, oh, no, and now the thing is crashing, and now we watch it. And it's like, how do you make it theatre and not, yes. like, a, an experience of a, uh, boat, a boat crashing? crashing yeah. yeah, okay, I've got, yeah, got, like, got an idea, but it's expensive.
1: <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> we make the sea
2: out of people. You see, you have people dressed in like, you know, like, like the kind of blue man group type things, like they're completely covered and they just move yes. like waves throughout the whole entire thing and they hold and lift stuff and move it around. Like, uh, so you make
0: it more organic and more, more people rather than sex. Is this, is this, is this within the same version that has the Jumbotron screens? <laughs> is this,
1: let's go with yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but the jumbo tr- the jumbo screen is actually made of painted people <gasps> yes. who move around no, no. to it, show there, there the was a paint, there was a sketch artist
0: moving at a speed
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay but the three
0: actors are actually made of screen <laughs> but they're, they're all sharks <laughs> 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 the shark the, 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 the a large is person
2: parked. is pursuing them yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That large really <laughs> is made of other people. You see? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like being John Malcolm. It's, it's, a, it's a, a man in a samurai, yeah. not a samurai, a man in a, a sumo wrestling suit. <laughs> well, it's, a well, it's for buoyancy. You see, that's what it is. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Does he have a gun or is he just trying to eat them? I think
2: he's got a large <laughs> air canister and he just wants to inflate them all. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing Sharp's um, fear, you see, is air. Wow, we've really set <laughs> yeah. John
0: Williams. We've really set John Williams's score up to do its best work here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it would still win, it'd still do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
1: would.
0: Should we um, talk briefly <laughs> Well, no, let's not talk about music. Let's 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 deal with your idea, Martin. Um
1: <laughs> Yeah. So wait. The sea is made of people, yep. and they're all dressed. They're so like they're not they're group. not
2: standing up. Okay, they, they, <laughs> yes. there's, there's more. Kind of, so you imagine like a troop of dancers, yeah, that are kind of like yeah, constantly, yeah, yeah, constantly yeah. kind of writhing like the sea, and they carry oh, yes. things and move it around because they're quite strong dancers and stuff like that. And then you get a kind of artificial movement that comes as if it's a musical without the music, and yeah. like a, It's like so, a ballet? Almost. Well, yeah, exactly. So that idea of just using humans to to, to create. A sense of movement, and motion, and ripples, and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it's weird. I know, yeah, but, it, but we, we could use weird. <laughs>
1: you, as the audience show up, we spray paint them, clearly. and then and then we still do it in the globe, but they all stand. Oh, yes, because we don't have to flood it anymore as long as we don't light exactly. them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, they could all hold like a uh, they could hold a uh, band on their shoulder because then yes. they can get around the no pre-recorded music thing. <laughs> there is
0: actually a track in the Jaws 2 soundtrack called Ballet
1: for Divers. <laughs> there you go. I've never heard it. That's but... fine, fine research work. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> he was just waiting for someone to to name drop ballets. <laughs> I just
0: I just searched Jaws Ballet, thinking maybe it already exists. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> what a fascinating, um, idea. <laughs> I, d- I do think maybe a part of to get at the uh, initial issue of intimacy on stage <laughs> and, and making sure it's not just a big spectacle. Yeah. I do think maybe, maybe potentially coming back to the cameras and the big screens, mm. maybe having cameras set up in the cabin of the boat, mm. but they're like diegetic cameras like cameras that might exist there CCTV kind of thing mm-hmm. although it's a boat that has no kit I don't know. We, <laughs> and it's the 70s we write our, <laughs> yeah we, we write our way around it i don't know but um but maybe we have cameras set up in there that show the action the one example of this i can think of is i watched a production of a Roy Williams play called Sing Your Heart Out for the Lads okay. which was first put on in 2002 but i recently saw a production of it Uh, at Chichester in um, this venue they had called the Spiegel Tent. Mm. And the whole thing is set in a a, a pub and it's about racism and football and Mm. all of this stuff. But there, there are certain scenes that take place in the bathroom out the back of the pub. And the way that they did those is... Um, when they went into the bathroom, it cut to like a CCTV camera mm. of in the bathroom mm. um, and then and then projected that on the back wall, but then also on screens around so everyone could see it because um, it's all sort of in thrust staging. And so I definitely think you that using that idea of the sort of concert and we've got these huge screens that we're using and sometimes they're filming things from the shark's perspective sometimes they're filming things from around the back and all this stuff but then also in those more intimate scenes they could be filming what's happening in the cabin Mm. and we make the cabin with big windows and stuff so you can see as much anyway Mm. as possible but bringing that sort of multimedia feeling to it and you still get that sense of like liveness in the performance um so i don't think there's anything lost there but you also get to see what happens mm. on the actors' faces and things as well, even though they're in the cabin of the boat.
2: Yeah, because you say the intimacy of that scene is is hard to recreate on stage, isn't it? Because as you say, it's the little glances, it's the small movements of the eyes and the mouth and the affectations they put on. It's like it's yeah, it's it would be good to blow it up well, somehow. I guess yeah.
0: that, that's okay because that's what people. That's what theatre is, is you you Mm. have to find those nuances in a different, not in a different way, Mm. but but from a distance. And that's the skill of acting on stage. Mm. So I'm less worried about that, but more the kind of very intricate prop usages that that uh, drive the plot. Um, but yeah, and I think, I think that would work. And obviously we get that big explosion that we can make in the water. That'll be fun. Bit <laughs> yeah. of pyro. I also um, do think
1: with the oxygen tank, I do think it is signposted to us so many times. In fact, that's part of what Spielberg does so well in this film mm. is mm. we never know what the check... We know it's a gun, mm. as in a Chekhov's gun, but we don't know it's a gun as in... You know, a Chekhov's gun is, we see the gun and we know it's going to be shot. Mm. The oxygen tank is a big, heavy thing that could also explode. Mm. We have no idea in what way it's going to do that. And... He also uses
2: it to get in the shark tank, so its usage is is actually used.
1: It's yeah, yeah exactly. It's already been done, yeah. and then also like there's a moment earlier on where the, sh- the ship gets like mm. thrown, and Brody nearly gets uh, like hit by the oxygen mm. tank. And you think, oh, this is how the oxygen tank is going to use mm. is going to be knocked out or something, but no, that was all just a fake because actually it's going to be used mm. in this other way. Mm. So I think actually there's enough times where it's signposted mm. that something mm. like that, which is a key prop, will will know what it's for. Then you get. Get it chucked in your shark's mouth. Mm. And then he even says, like, "I, oh, you know, I've got to hit the tank or something. I don't know what the line is. <laughs> well, he, he's, <laughs> he's
2: muttering it to himself under his breath. But, of course, but, but, but yes, we do know yeah. that he doesn't put it in the shark's mouth with the idea of shooting it. He's just trying to batter the shark. Yeah. You know? so, so it's a nice way of setting it up. And then you just say, you say, he's like, well, all I've got now, I've just got to try and hit that
0: thing. You know, so...
2: Yes,
1: yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, well, I feel like we've uh, we've moved towards all these solutions. We've yes. decided it's doable. We're so. <laughs> Ke- Caleb, has, Caleb has given us a first act w- that where it's, uh, we've got this kind of frantic things happening mm. and we don't necessarily see everything, but it's like this narration. And we move to this. I'm an interval. We move to the second act. We're on a boat. I don't know whether the boat appears in the end of the first act as like a
1: showstopper moment or whether. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, if we're sinking it at the end, we could probably just make it come out. Of the, like up out of the sea, <laughs> like, anyway. it's like
2: in the end of Miss Saigon when they get the
0: helicopter to come flying in. Like, it is. <laughs> I, 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 it seems we need a boat. Well, good thing I have one right here <laughs> under the water. <laughs>
2: rise, <laughs> Does it, rise.
0: <laughs> Does that happen in Treasure Island? Does it come out of the sea or something? Yeah, like it, that? Oh, no, it's Peter Pan. Th- yeah. Oh, right. And I was just uh, saying
1: in the National Theatre version of Pe- the Treasure Island, uh, they have the uh, big boat come out of the stage really of course and in Pirates of the Caribbean they do boats out of the that's that that is the one I was thinking of I didn't know right of course
2: when Yoda rises up out of the water
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe it that's why you fail (laughs) 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 okay yeah sorry <laughs> Jake, no know. i was gonna say
0: i was just gonna say i wonder if we do somehow find a way of making that not weird we <laughs> could uh the the inter, in the interval they could be like driving the boat out to sea oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. through the whole interval oh right okay. yeah. Um, yeah. it wouldn't give the actors a break but they could, be, they could just be and then the the second act could start very suddenly when something happens mm. sort of thing yeah, without, without the like lights that. fading down would mm. be, yeah. be quite nice a good transition mm. um do, do we want to talk about I feel like we should acknowledge more than we have uh, this this the score. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes,
1: let's get a little bit in on the score. I mean, Martin, you you gave us a, yeah a bit of a a, a teaser about <laughs> how, how important it is earlier on. Well, I
2: mean, you know, you can't think of Jaws when you say Jaws to someone. The first thing they'll probably do is go da. Da-da, because yeah. it it became so synonymous with the shark, and it, it was it was a little bit like Hitchcock in um, in Psycho, you know, using the the violin strikes, you know, to to. to ev- <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think a Thanks mouse has broken that. in. <laughs> but yeah, with mean, that whole thing about you know exactly what's being referenced when you hear those tiny fragments of music. Uh, so yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, the score is essential to Jaws. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 as much a character as the sea and, and the shark. You know, it's 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 so important. So. And as you as as you both mentioned yourselves, there's various different scores within the film. There's not just the sharks one. They've got other bits. There's a very happy, jolly one where they're chasing the shark into town, and of course, you've got the Fourth of July stuff, and all Um But yeah, our biggest our biggest weapon
0: uh, in convincing the audience is definitely, I think, the music.
1: Yeah, yeah. But has absolutely. it lost
0: its? I feel like the, when Warriors, because it's such a you know a theme mm. now that it it's lost its. Um, novelty in the sense that oh, you know new. if you yeah. give me if you watch me a new watch me <laughs> if, you give, if you give me a new film to watch yeah. you know you give me a new film to watch and you and you introduce these themes that tell you things mm. when unfortunately when once something is so in the like cultural mm. sphere then it ceases to be it ceases to have that effect right mm. i'm thinking about yeah, how like mm. spider the spider-man films that that have been coming out the last few years mm. they they you know they hint at and they certainly have worked off of the original spider-man films mm. but i think they make a real point of not using those original themes mm. because they take you out of the experience and similarly yes. with star wars like the force i think it is the, i think it is the force theme uh so yeah sorry so the the my my point being that even in the new Star Wars films the Force theme is like v- very rarely used unless it's like mm. reminding you that this is Star Wars as it yeah, were yeah. and so what I was going to say is that actually maybe we need new music Mm. because we need to what's 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 he saying what's he saying because despite despite (laughs) obviously i love john williams it's absolutely everything he's written is Mm. gold and it's Mm. incredible but it's so iconic Mm. that i feel i worry that i've been in the theater and i hear that music i'm gonna go oh yeah it's jules i'm not gonna go
1: oh the shark my my challenge my challenge to that would be that you and I hadn't seen this film before, but we had heard that music parodied hundreds of different times. Yet, was it not still effective when you were watching the film? Yes,
0: but I feel like a the film is more it, It's a different experience. The theatre, you're constantly theatre, you're true. constantly fighting to remind just people forget people to forget mm. that they're sitting down with other people, and and second, the biggest scare I had was definitely the one where they are looking in the in the nighttime when he's gone diving boat. into the oh. boat ben and then boat then suddenly is still weird. <laughs> and suddenly this face appears and that is Mate. definitely the time I was most scared mm. yeah and me too, that was too. the time when the build up was not using the jewels theme yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Um, no that that's fair i would say like the film gives us this uh before we get to the the sort of fire campfire um it, it gives us this like these underwater shots uh, with the sort of opening credits, and with that is an overture which kind of introduces a, a number of the themes, mm. particularly the main mm. shark theme that John Williams is going to use, and perhaps even using an overture uh, would remind people like you're going to hear the duels' theme. Before they go in, but sort of like kind of get that out their system beforehand, mm. if that makes sense. Maybe, yeah. Um,
2: How about a compromise then? In that uh, we have a compromise is
1: in the you we, go. we love a compromise. No, we don't. I hate compromise. <laughs> <laughs> all right then, I'll, I'll listen to your compromise. <laughs> oh, glad to see you came <laughs> How about we leave uh, we leave it out
2: until when Brody is attempting to shoot the shark at the end because then then the motif hits in you're in full Jaws mode at that point like you know so the the ship's going down we've worked out how to do this and uh, you know the shark is coming in and he gets the gun out and starts shooting or he gets the gun down and starts looking where are you you know looking for him and then dirt and Dad. and then yeah. all of a sudden you, so you use it as a final you know kind of like ramping things up that one bit more because because it, it is so it's recontextualized back into jaws isn't it so it's not a parody anymore and so it, so it lives where yeah. it should live yeah
0: well I, I well because I was gonna yeah. suggest an, an even more compromising compromise was just a new <laughs> arrangement a new arrangement of the
1: music that somehow so without the strings
0: well not necessarily without yeah. the strings just something different so that it is less yeah Oh, this is the Jaws theme, but still uses the incredible intelligence of everything it does. So you say music. So Glockenspiel is what I'm hearing. That's right.
1: (laughs) 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 Glockenspiel. Ding, ding.
2: Oh, it does sound like a, you know, some of the, the ice cream <laughs> man's just come around the corner. <laughs>
3: uh, no, if I'm I ever own you, an I ice cream think-
0: band, I'm definitely making the music I play Jaws. Um, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, I'm going to draw I, I a slightly right, off shark <laughs> on the outside of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um i i think you're right i think a, a a rearrangement of it would be good my one thought oh, just, i'm sorry i'm uh, a purist a, i can't take it i can't take it <laughs> oh, no no yeah as, and, and as a as sort of cursed reimagining which we would definitely <laughs> never do is you have this fourth of july uh, rock concert in the first act and then you have the jaws theme played on uh. electric guitars <laughs> and everything in the second <laughs> But definitely not that. Um, when, <laughs> oh, you can play the Force definitely.
2: tune instead um, on that, like as a, re-
0: <laughs> a reference to William's other words. I'm here for it. Yeah. When Peter Capaldi plays Beethoven's fifth in that Doctor yeah. Who episode, yeah. I fucking lost it. <laughs> yeah. It did um,
3: sound good. I mean, like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay, I, I, I'm hesitant to end the, the wrap things up, but I I feel like we've covered most things to an extent mm. i mean the sort of boat breaking apart conversation got as far as we'll we'll we'll, we'll find it we'll way set it in sea boat, world but <laughs> <That's okay>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> why not why it's a perfect setting. Uh,
2: well yeah.
0: hopefully sea it world. will close down at some point soon and then we'll, <laughs> yes. we'll <be> able to, <laughs> and then it's um, ours
1: yeah this is our moment though i was going to mention i just
0: wanted to re-mention mm. we brought i mentioned yes. very briefly the idea of all three of these main characters being women mm. i just want to I've been it's been in the back of my head the whole the rest of the time that I think it would be really interesting to focus on three women who are very much passing the Bechdel test and we have these three very different characters within women and really it should look we shouldn't have to we shouldn't be we it shouldn't be something that would be like oh this would be really good it should be something that's far in the past Mm. but unfortunately there isn't much portrayal of three women with very different characters wanting very different things well, having very different personalities but have towards the same aim that has nothing to do with a man, mm. that is unfortunately quite fresh still. Mm. Um, yeah, that is it, unless the shark is a man, uh, in which case it doesn't... <laughs> his name, his name was Bruce, worked. you know. As we, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: That's what they called him on the set. That's Nemo, isn't it? So, no, it, it
2: on the set, he was called Bruce. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, which is why it's called Bruce Oh, uh, Nemo. yes, of course. Anyway. Yes. Oh, sorry, uh, really? I, sorry, I uh, failed uh, to link that. Yeah, of course, yeah. you're completely
1: right. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I, with you, Jake. I think it would be a really interesting opportunity to give what it are these, uh, they are archetypes and they are caricatures to an extent, but they are um, archetypes with depth. Mm. I think that's what Spielberg lends mm. them in bringing them together in this film. And so, yeah, to give those roles to women in a staged version, I think... I definitely isn't going to do it any harm. No, I think no. I think it would bring a bring a fresh perspective into uh, into a production of well, this. I, I, stage. I mean, j-
2: just from a pedants point of view, uh, I don't think women were serving on the USS Indianapolis. <laughs> it did come into my head, well, which is, is the true. only but, thing. I mean, uh, otherwise, but, you know, you can't see the reason. I mean, of course, you could just you could write another reference
0: to something else or, where someone just gets stuck in a or boat. We p- we play the Milan card,
1: or, or you. <laughs> the alternative is you don't explain it and Quint is just a woman that served on the yeah. Yeah. Indianapolis, in Indianapolis yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, that's say? actually yeah. that's
0: much better
2: uh-huh. um, <laughs> right well I mean she, 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 she could just be someone who goes on a large boat somewhere and there is a crash and they don't get rescued i mean i suppose the only the only thing that makes indianapolis worse is because they're on a secret mission it took so long for them to be rescued but i mean you could just move it where they were somewhere where it was hard to get to or the weather was bad or you know yeah that is true i i can't
0: i couldn't really understand what he was saying i couldn't tell whether he was uh, when it when he was talking about the 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 the, the bomb yeah the nuclear bomb yeah i couldn't quite tell what the film's attitude towards that was uh but yeah
1: what what yeah, i mean what he's saying is their boat was a secret mission to take the bomb over yeah. to japan before it was dropped so they on, were delivering
2: it to the right. airfield pe- which would then load it onto the plane and then fly it yeah. is that
0: that's not how that really happened is it
2: i think indianapolis is a true story
0: yeah, yeah really. Really. referencing a true story i mean surely not the shark surely not the shark but well, I, I think it, they the i whole. think
2: they did like crash and and so that, that a lot of their elements i think are real from what i remember right, yeah
1: I, hmm. I maybe the the shark thing element is maybe added in but definitely it was like 1100 men and only 300 came back hmm. there was isn't it, isn't sharks? Of like, a crash
0: fa- famously this film is completely wrong about how dangerous sharks are isn't oh uh, <laughs> probably yeah. well that's true yeah that's <laughs> um, definitely true
1: this the sort of um territorializing theory hmm. and how they want to build a territory that's their own and they'll keep going there until the food that's I'm pretty, I'm quite certain. That's all well, uh, they, they did track a,
2: a few sharks now that they can use that kind of stuff. And they found that they traveled fast distances. Like you're kind of just like following, you know, various bits and pieces of food and that. So yes, yeah, so I don't think they do patrol an area or, you know, it's just why they suddenly appear, yeah. isn't it? And you get certain places where it didn't have shark attacks and all of a sudden they do mm. and then they
1: go away again. That's mostly it. Uh, did anyone have anything else they wanted to bring up? I mean, we're not going to get through all of it. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to be able to stage this tomorrow. So <laughs> well, it takes a few
0: weeks to get the water, doesn't it? That's what <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's all. Uh, Martin, thank you so much for coming on. That's oh, been, been great fun, fantastic fun. I think that's the best balance we've had between fun and actually thinking about it normally we, normally <laughs> yeah. normally we lean heavily one way or the other um yeah yeah tell us tell us where we, people can find your podcast and yourself and what's going on in 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 your creative life mm,
2: yeah indeed well i mean the podcast is uh, i saw that years ago so you can go to www.isawthatyearsago.com uh there's i think it's uh at istja show on twitter uh, my co-host usually does all of the details, so I, <laughs> I couldn't remember anything. We've got a Patreon as well. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Istia, we've got various tiers there and stuff, where if you want to, you can pick what show we watch and you can send us your uh, own thoughts on it and stuff. So yeah, so there's there's various places. I'm Martin Darkley on Twitter and you'll probably find me all over the internet because I, I, work, I work as a day job as a, a writer for magazines as well. They used to be magazines. Yeah. Now they're all websites. So, so yeah, so write back technology and stuff. So I tend to appear all over the internet just because I'm um, you know, that's where I live most of the time. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Bro, yeah, I definitely recommend the show. As a it's long a very term.
2: silly uh, show. It's, it's very, very silly.
1: It's just like, yeah, it's very much. Um, you, yeah, don't ever take anything God too Lord, seriously no, at no, all, and don't, don't expect any um, proper film
2: some... uh, like a reviewing. We often just don't get to it until about twenty five minutes in, and then we remember we were meant to be doing I, a film yeah. podcast. <laughs> <It's>
3: like... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Excellent stuff. Yeah, that's I saw that years ago, and yeah, Istia is I S T Y A. So the the acronym. Of that's the ISO one. Years ago. Yes. Mm.
0: Caleb, where can people find you online? Uh,
1: I'm, I'm on Twitter, uh, Instagram and Letterboxd at Caleb Lebster, that's C-A-L-E-B-L-E-B-S-T-E-R and Jake, where can people find you online?
0: I am on Twitter and Letterboxd at Jake Reesh that's J-A-K-E-R-E-E-S-H and we are Maybe You Like It Productions and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Maybe You Like It, that's with the letter U or on Facebook at Maybe You Like It Productions that's with the word U or you can visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. And if you did enjoy this episode, then please leave us a review, rate us, tell us your friends, um, and or email us with your thoughts about how you would stage Jaws or whether it's an impossible project. <laughs> um, but I think we've made a pretty good stab at it. And uh, thanks very much, Cav, for this wonderful theme tune playing right now that we all know and love. And otherwise, maybe you liked that,
1: maybe you didn't. We're going to need a bigger party. That was a maybe you like it production.
0: Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't.